Welcome back to The Shelf Oddlings. I'm Serafina. And I'm Eerie. And today, the oddity I'm feeling like is a Bezor stone. You know, those little goat's stones in their stomachs? Because my stomach's acting wild, y'all, today. I don't know if you can hear my voice. I had a rough night, but we're going to get through it, and Eerie's going to teach us some crazy shit today. What oddity you feeling like, girl? I am feeling like the... um. Cyclops goats. I don't know if you've seen them around. We both chose goats. I love the that group. Well, yeah, goats are kind of the best. They are. And I have seen them and they are hilarious. Yes, they're crazy looking. It's basically like a baby goat and it's born with a deformity. And basically their entire head is an eyeball. Like, yeah, it's gigantic. It's really freaky. It is very freaky. They are very neat. It's sad, obviously, because it's oh, yeah. not going to survive that. But it's pretty fucking cool to look at. It, I mean, listen, nature do be wildin' sometimes, and you just gotta appreciate it for what it is, I guess. You right? You right? Well, <laughs> uh, before we get into today's episode, I wanted to give a little bit of a spider update, which is not much, because to be honest with you, tarantulas don't do a whole lot. <laughs> like, they really do be vibing. Um, uh, Elvira is called a Gramostola pulchra, and they are notorious for being bulldozers, aka they make a burrow and they live in the burrow. And at this point, uh, she has blocked off every way that I could view her. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I can like shine a light through the bottom of the enclosure and like see her feet so that I know that she's like still alive. But that is it for the most part. Um, PBR is not eating as much, which is a sign that he could potentially be molting, which is good. Mm -hmm. He is a slow-growing species, so um, he's not going to molt very often, but we're hoping that um, he can molt and he'll survive his molt and everything will will go well for him. But that's pretty much where we're at. They, uh, they'd be big vibing. Light a candle for PBR. Yep. And also, Elvira is in her Serafina era. <laughs> <laughs> Truly, she's locked a little burrow. You can't see me, bitch. <laughs> she covered up all her windows. I could originally see through the backside of the um, hide that she's in, and she said, "Absolutely the fuck not," and and covered it with dirt. So I get it. I do get that. I, me, we do be vibing. Me and, and the agoraphobic spider, we vibing. <laughs> Love that for us. Well, let's get into it then. Today we are talking about vampires and the history of uh, vampirism. So I know for me, I've been obsessed with vampires for a really long time from mm -hmm. Lestat to Edward Cullen. Something about them has always fascinated me. Um, I did go through a twilight phase where I read every single book. I actually went to like the midnight release of New Moon or whatever. Me too. Mm -hmm. And read the whole thing. I'm not, I'm not ashamed to admit that. I don't either. I was the books were good. They were good. I mean, like, now that I'm older and, like, I know that the writing is not the best, like, I look at it with a different lens. But when I was a teenager, that shit was the fucking bomb. I think we should just, like, let teenage girls have their shit, you know? Or it's like, it was content aimed at them. And also, it's like the one movie soundtracks I stand by. I can agree with that. Yeah, we should just stop making fun of people for liking trash, you know? Sometimes you just Yeah, do. literally, it's fun. It it's is. It's so much fun. Um, I know that the older I get, the more I prefer, like, a Victorian-era vampire, more vampire Lestat, where they're, like, obsessive and, like, a dark romantic and, like, mm -hmm. old-timey, uh, less 
Edward Cullen and and more old timey. It's, it's really <laughs> well. I mean, for. at one point, Edward Cullen was in like that era, right? Yeah, we never got that era, Edward Cullen. Though we only got like modernized, really. Mm-hmm. So. I figured before we got into the nitty gritty, we would talk about who our favorite vampire is. So, Serafina, do you have a favorite vampire? Do I? Do I have a favorite vampire? I feel like the answer is yes. But I also <laughs> feel like you have caught me off guard here because in my head, there's only one vampire and that's Dracula. <laughs> that's the, He is the... Um... You know, most well known. That's for damn sure. But there has there has to be way more, right? That I'm just like oh. not thinking about. Yeah. Um. Uh, my favorite that I picked was Marceline the Vampire Queen. See, like, uh, yeah. Like, Solid totally, choice. totally. Kind of forgot. Like, she was like a vampire because yeah. she is a vampire. But like, she is. I'm trying to think of like other vampires, like canon in film. Um. That, well, you have. That I'm just like, missing. Lestat and Louis from the interview of the vampire um, era. There was also Queen of the Damned, where you got a bunch of hot vampires. There's also Lost Wait, Boys vampires. I, no, I already have my answer. It's Celine from the Underworld series. Yes, good pick. That's, That's why I was like, I know I'm missing someone. It's Celine. That's my favorite vampire of all yeah. time. That is a solid choice. That is a very underappreciated series, in my honest opinion. It's one of my favorites. It's good Genuinely. Shit. It's so good. And even there's so many of those movies and they still kind of hold up. They're such good, like cheesy action. And she, Kate Beckinsale is so hot. Yeah. Every, every time she graces the screen, I'm like, thank you, Lord. All of them. <laughs> pick, a, pick a Lord. Thank him. You know, all every single one. <laughs> that is a cauldron's blessed woman for sure. Absolutely is. Um, so let's get into what vampires are. I'm sure if you're listening to this podcast, you're much like us and you've been pining over one flavor of vampire or another, but (laughs) if you haven't, I'm going to go through it. So a vampire is a creature that subsists by feeding on the vital essence, generally in the form of blood of the living. There are tons of different characteristics of vampires, but that one is pretty much the same throughout all myths and like all times and everything that one is the same other vampire characteristics include but are not limited to uh they don't like the sun they typically don't age and they don't um they're not impacted by like disease or anything they are impacted by holy symbols and might not be able to go into a church we've seen that one a few times Mm -hmm. uh what we do in the shadows recently (laughs) uh did um, oh my a scene about that. Okay, my my second option, Nadia. Yeah, also Laszlo is my mm. was up there because I do love him. Jackie Daytona. Jackie Daytona. <laughs> <laughs> I love that show so much. Me too. It's so fucking good. It's so good. Vampires typically have an aversion to silver, which is interesting because we say I'm a vampire and silver is literally the only type of jewelry that I will wear. So that's fun. They occasionally have additional supernatural powers. So like hypnosis, mind reading. Again, you see some of that in what we do in the shadows. They could sparkle in the sunlight if you ask some people. (laughs) This is the skin of a killer, Bella. They're typically likely undead or they go through some sort of humanity death 
during the transformation that gets some um, like a lot of description and kind of more info in the interview with the vampire series um, by Anne Rice. She goes through like the full, like this person is dying and it's like really graphic. Mm -hmm. It is definitely worth a read if you haven't read those books. Uh, They typically sleep in a coffin. They can't have garlic. And I included this one because when I read it, I was at all of the things clicked for me and I was so impressed um arithmomania which is a mental disorder that may be seen as an expression of obsessive compulsive disorder individuals experiencing this disorder have a strong need to count their actions or objects in their surroundings the belief is that vampires are compelled to count build seeds or grains or salt and I realized I had never had any questions about why the count on Sesame Street counted things. <laughs> this is why. Yeah, that makes sense. Also, what have we seen where like a they like spill a bunch of like rice on the floor? And they have is that like what we do in the shadows? Is that a scene from what we do in the shadows where they spill a bunch of rice to like stop someone? That is part of old folklore. They would like throw salt. Or a bunch of rice so that the vampires had to stop. And what have I watched recently that really like I really did see that. And I didn't know that was like all vampires or like that was like a common ground. Yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah, I read that and I was like, I had no clue that this is a thing. Also, congrats. The Count is really just doing it for all vampires out there, you know? Listen, they stick to their source material, okay? Sesame Street yeah. is one thing and one thing only. The PBS crown. <laughs> you... Yeah, wrong. So a person may become a vampire in a variety of ways, the most common of which is to be bitten by another vampire. Other methods include sorcery, committing suicide, which I had never heard that before. Mm. Um, thought that was kind of interesting. Contagion or having a cat jump over a person's corpse. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I assume that has to do with like cat because cats are su- linked to the underworld mm-hmm. a lot. That would be my guess too. Yeah, that's the only thing I could think. <laughs> I mean, if not, like just cats jumping everywhere, just fucking shit up for people. <laughs> for Sounds about right. Some people believed that babies born with teeth, or on Christmas, or between Christmas. And Epiphany were predisposed to becoming vampires. How often are babies born with teeth now? I don't know. I didn't I gotta, look into that. I gotta find out right now because you saying that really just sent a chill through my spine. I'm sorry. Natal teeth are relatively rare, although less rare than you might think. Approximately one out of every 2,000 to 3,500 newborns comes into the world with at least one tooth. Oh, no. That's so odd. Vampires running strong. They don't know why. They don't. The cause of natal teeth is unknown. It is more likely to occur in children with certain health problems. But there's not, like, a one specific reason. Whoa, vampires every year. 3,000 vampires every year. That's crazy. Still out there. So the causes of vampiric generation were many and varied in original folklore. In Slavic and Chinese traditions, any corpse that was jumped over by an animal in general 
particularly a dog or a cat, was feared to become one of the undead. So now we're adding dogs into the mix too. So watch How out. How often are like household pets jumping over people's corpses? I don't know. I guess it happened fairly frequently. I guess like back in like winter when like they couldn't dig graves or whatever. Yeah. I was like, ah, oh, damn it. Fido got well, in the basement and jumped over Tom. Like, ah, oh, now he's a vampire. You know, another thing that we talked about previously was back in the day, people died in their homes significantly more frequently than now. I guess Instead that's of fair. like dying in a hospital. So maybe mm-hmm. that's why. A body with a wound that had not been treated with boiling water was also at risk to become one of the undead. And in Russian folklore, vampires were said to have once been witches or people who had rebelled against the Russian Orthodox Church while they were alive. Which is like, the like, witches really don't get a break, bro. Like, they're hated when they're mm-hmm. alive and they're witches and then they die and they become vampires. Like, hello? Honestly, it's pretty rad, though. Oh, well, I think it's rad. I just, <laughs> think that, you know. Some people also don't want to be uh, immortal, which I understand. I get that. I do get that. But I mean, vampires could die. It's not like you you can die. You're not stuck forever. Be kind of fun, though, for a little bit. I mean, it would suck to see everyone you love die. But like other than that, after you get through that, like first shitty, like first hundred years, it's going to be pretty fun. (laughs) Uh, This is actually a podcast episode to convince everyone that we should become vampires. Yeah, listen, you asked me if I would join a call or what it would take. Baby, I'm starting them left and right. <laughs> the time is nigh, truly. Exactly. So how do you identify a vampire other than the obvious pointing teeth and, you know, they literally live forever? You shout the name Eerie and see who turns around. <laughs> yeah, you look for me in a crowd. <laughs> and run. Run the other way. <laughs> <laughs> well, it depends on who you are, but yeah. True, fair, fair. One method of finding a vampire's grave involved leading a virgin boy through a graveyard or church grounds on a virgin stallion. The horse would supposedly balk at the grave in question. Also, the horse generally had to be black, but in Albania, it could be white. (laughs) Well, thank the Lord, I have a bunch of Albanian white horses. (laughs) Just like, hey, yeah. (laughs) Also, in this case, does virgin mean like ain't no no fucking or does it mean like ain't been used before in a ritual of any type? Uh, Probably for the stallion, I would assume ain't been used in a ritual for the boy part. I would assume ain't no fucking. Hmm. Interesting. If I had to guess. Interesting indeed. Also, holes apparently would appear in the earth over a grave. Um, and when that happened, that was supposedly a sign of vampirism. Yeah, I don't like that. I guess it just means they were, you know, getting out of their grave and going going out and home or whatever. Mm-hmm. They were just hanging out. It's their time. Corpses thought to be vampires were generally described as having a healthier appearance than expected, plump and showing little or no signs of decomposition. In some cases, when suspected graves were opened, villagers even described the corpse as having fresh blood from a victim all over its face. Hot. Smash. Smash. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Evidence that a vampire was active in a given locality included death of cattle, sheep, relatives, or neighbors. Which also felt very, like, aliens to me, but, like, go Mm -hmm. off, I guess. 
Folkloric vampires could also make their presence felt by engaging in minor poltergeist-styled activity, such as hurling stones on roofs or moving household objects and pressing on people in their sleep. So these vampires just be like, I'm gonna move your shit just like slightly to the left so that when you wake <laughs> up, everything in your house is like slightly off. It would be very infuriating, you know, really disorienting. Also, like, how would you know that that's what happened? I think that if that happened to me, I would just wake up and be like, something feels off, but I don't know why. Yeah, that's the disorienting part. You're like, mm, wait, this room's a little odd today. And then also they jump out of the corner because you didn't see them there because, you know, your plant that used to be there is now two feet over. It's a whole thing. And they're like, blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so let's get into the history of vampirism and what that kind of looks like. The notion of vampirism has existed for a millennia. Cultures such as the Mesopotamians, Hebrews, ancient Greeks, Manipuri, and Romans had tales of demons and spirits, which are considered precursors to modern vampires. I feel like anytime like things are across multicultures before there was any kind of multiculture communication, it just lends itself to be like way more believable. Oh, agree. We talked about this in the um, what was it? The Waking living nightmares. nightmares. Episode? Yeah, yeah, living yeah. Night- yep, I agree. It's just like, well, if the Romans and the Mesopotamians are doing it, like, hmm? yeah, there's some something going on there at least. One would think. The story of Sekhmet, the Egyptian feline warrior goddess associated with both plague and healing, is considered by some to be one of the oldest vampire tales. Sekhmet was depicted with the body of a woman with a lion head wearing a sun disc. She was seen as the protector of the pharaohs and led them into warfare. When she was in a commerce state, she would take the form of the household cat goddess Bastet. Mm -hmm. Legend holds that the sun god Ra sent his daughter Sekhmet down to punish humankind for their disobedience. But after Sekhmet couldn't stop drinking blood amid her slaughter, Ra quelled her thirst by dyeing a bunch of beer red. And basically she drank all the beer and then slept for three days. That's literally like that's exactly what I have to do to you. (laughs) And my name is Sarah. Like, come on. Close. Close. Just saying. Always got to keep a trick up your sleeve, you know. (laughs) Quell the vampires with a red beer. It's like uh, St. Patty's Day, but for freaky people, you know? (laughs) Yeah, true. Lilith, a 4,000-year-old figure in Jewish folklore who in some stories was Adam's wife before Eve, um, she had some characteristics that people would consider to be vampire or similar to vampirism. Um, Her name actually derives from the Sumerian word for female demons or wind spirits. According to scholar J.A. Skurlock via the Jewish Women's Archive, the Babylonians believed the Lilitu were hungry for victims because they had become human and slipped through windows into people's houses looking for victims to take the place of husbands and wives who they themselves never had. I think they just hate to see a powerful woman, but go off, I guess. I love Lilith. Me too. Uh, Lilith was a, the first vampire in True Blood. So. Oh, that's interesting. You know. I've never seen it. Is it good? 
I've seen bits and pieces. I haven't watched the whole thing. I've heard good things, though. I've also never seen Vampire Diaries. Me either, actually. Mm, I guess we're going to have to have like a weekend about it or something. <laughs> Just get a whole vampire weekend. Sounds like fun. Various regions of Africa have folk tales featuring beings with vampiric abilities. In West Africa, the Ashanti people tell of the Iron Tooth and tree-dwelling Asan Bosam, and the Ewe, that's E-W-E, people of the Adzi, which can take the form of a firefly and hunt children. Hmm. Interesting. I thought so, too. I was like, firefly, interesting, interesting choice. The Eastern Cape region has the Impundulu, which can take the form of a large taloned bird and can summer summer and can summon thunder and lightning. And the Betsilo people of Madagascar tell of the Ramanga, an outlaw or living vampire who drinks the blood and eats the nail clippings of nobles. I hate that. Yeah, I'm not a fan of that either. Don't love it. In colonial East Africa, rumors circulated to the effects that employees of the state, such as firemen and nurses, were vampires, known in Swahili as Wazimamoto, which, like, I mean, if you were going to be a vampire, right, and you needed an easy way to get blood, being in law enforcement or working in the medical field would be a very good way to do it. Yeah, definitely. Like, easy access with little questioning. Mm-hmm. I'm just cleaning up this crime scene, guys. Don't mind me. Yeah, cleaning up the crime scene. <laughs> with my tongue. I mean, you know. <laughs> oh, you know. Many myths surrounding vampires originated during the medieval period. The 12th century British historians and chroniclers Walter Mapp and William of Newburgh recorded accounts of revenants. Though records in English legends of vampiric beings after this date are scant. So now we're going to start seeing the, what we would consider what we know as like a modern vampire. This is kind of when everything starts to become more mainstream, if you will, (laughs) because of everything going on in Europe at the time. So despite the occurrence of vampiric creatures in these ancient civilizations that we talked about, the folklore for the entity known as today's vampire is going to originate in the 18th century southeastern Europe, when verbal traditions of many ethnic groups of the region were recorded and published. This is actually where the term vampire originated. Hmm. I didn't know that. Me either. I mean, it tracks because I think... Again, we're talking about old-timey vampires. When we talk about old-timey vampires, I feel like this is where they typically flourish. Mm-hmm. And this, the stories happen often in this time period. <laughs> During the 18th century, there was a frenzy of vampire sightings in Eastern Europe with frequent stakings and grave diggings to identify and kill the potential revenants. Even government officials engaged in the hunting and staking of vampires, which is not surprising, considering what we know about witches and witch hunts. But, you know, (laughs) everything is political. Always. Despite being called the Age of Enlightenment, during which most folkloric legends were quelled, the belief in vampires increased dramatically, resulting in a mass hysteria throughout most of Europe. Isn't that kind of funny? Um... What's another word for enlightenment, if not woke? <laughs> the age of woke. 
So now it's just instead of vampires, it's just drag queens. So like maybe like 200 years, like two other girls will be like doing a podcast and be like, they were called drag queens and they caked themselves in makeup and stole children. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, could be wild. Could be a time. You become a drag queen by purchasing makeup. And it's like, it's not that they hated garlic. They just like loved Newports. (laughs) (laughs) You know, they're like, you can you can put all over your doorway. Uh, got to be glue hairspray, and they would leave <laughs> you alone. <laughs> oh, the age of enlightenment, folks! Just another time. We're in the age of woke now. The age of woke. It's the a disease. <laughs> um, during the late 18th and 19th centuries, the belief in vampires was also widespread in parts of New England, particularly in Rhode Island and Eastern Connecticut. Which is interesting to me, too, because anytime I think of vampires, I think of European vampires. I don't think mm-hmm. of American vampires. I don't either. Yeah. I can't That's think interesting. of... Like, when we think of our favorite vampire stories, at least the ones that I'm into, typically those vampires are, like, in America, but did not come from America. Right. They came from, like, way before. Yeah. Hmm. Is this the, during the time where we see all those graves pop up with, like, the weird cages on top of them? Oh, yeah, I am actually about to get into vampire graves or vampire burials now, so that's a perfect segue. But I did find out that the cages that are on graves are typically not because of vampires. It's to prevent grave robbing. Oh, really? Yeah, because I always thought that that was a vampire thing, too, but apparently not. Oh, that's so interesting. Okay, well, I've been corrected. The more we know, right? I also thought that, and then I got in here and I was like, wait, what? To be fair, I definitely only thought that because of, like, a meme that went around when we were, in like, in high school. That was, like, of a picture of one, and it was like, this man was afraid that his wife would come back as a vampire. Don't trust memes, kids. <laughs> <laughs> you mean memes are not, like, actual fact? Don't let your memes be dreams. <laughs> So um, in this section, I'm covering vampire graves or vampire burials, like we were saying. Most of this information came from an article called Photos Show Vampire Burials in Europe and What They Mean According to Experts by Marianne Guinot on businessinsider.com. And I just wanted to mention because, you know, person wrote this and I copied her words. Hell yeah. So oftentimes... When a grave is dug up and the corpse has something in its mouth, that could be considered a vampire burial. So basically what they would do is they would put something to obstruct the mouth of the deceased, like a brick. What? Okay. Matteo Brini, who is a principal lecturer of forensic anthology, discovered the body of a 16th century woman in Venice. He found a brick that had been shoved in her mouth, a bizarre occurrence for burials at the time. After careful forensic analysis, Berini concluded that the brick would have likely been placed there by people fearing she may have risen as a type of vampire called Noxerares. In this myth, the body would stay somewhat alive after it was buried, and the first sign of this type of vampire would be that the body would chew through the shroud they were buried in. So um, a lot of times a part of burials is to cover the body in like a shroud, basically like a cheat ghost 
sheet to put it in like layman's <laughs> terms so so basically these vampires would come back from the dead and then chew through the sheet right because they're trying to escape their grave that they're now carried in right while this happened they would either suck the life force of their living relatives from the grave or rise as an almost dead body as they did they would spread disease making their family members sicker and sicker until they died so basically they put the rocks and stuff in the mouths of the vampires to prevent that chewing of the shroud to occur it was probably moths right uh i would also say that like if you leave a decomposing body in a coffin the cloth also decomposes fun fact i mean that's true but i'm thinking like so fast that they would see it and know oh you mean like i think it would depend on when they unbear i always think when we talk about stuff like this i think about um abraham lincoln because the one folk the one thing i know about abraham lincoln is he was embalmed so many times that his body was basically perfectly intact but they had put like an american flag over him and the american flag deteriorated into like oblivion but his body was still perfectly preserved because of how he was embalmed that's wild so i think that that's kind of the same vein Mm, very interesting Mm, interesting and that's eerie's abraham lincoln fact of the day thank you there you go you get one guys you get one occasionally well of course the only thing i'm gonna remember is that that particular thing not important stuff about his life just you know that's that is wild also once again i think that they just want to keep down a powerful woman like let her live no they said brick in the mouth we don't trust it brick in the mouth also if they're that powerful and the only thing that stops them is a break like are you that afraid (laughs) (laughs) facts so another sign of a vampire burial is metal through the chest so the body of a man was found in a monastery near the black sea city of sozopol bulgaria and he was found stabbed through the chest with a piece of iron Modern depictions of vampires would have us think that staking them through the heart would turn them into dust, which we hear that pretty commonly. But mm-hmm. originally, people who buried the bodies were more interested in making sure that they didn't get out of the grave. So the stake would have been hammered through the body to pin it to the bottom of the grave. That which is... is... I didn't think of it that way. I did not either. That's so crazy and kind of cool. Yeah. And also, like, metal as fuck. Literally. (laughs) Other ways to keep the body in the grave, spiritually or physically, would be to nail down the shroud that they were wrapped in, to weigh down or weigh it down with stones, or place rose thorns on their graves. The OG weighted blanket. (laughs) Literally. Bro, my claustrophobia is like, not only are we in a coffin and we're buried, we're also literally like pinned down with a sheet. Basically. Yeah, I need at least like one of my feetsies out, okay? <laughs> yeah, like I need one leg out, laying on my side. Yeah, what the heck? You know? Another sign of vampire burial would be a stone weighing down the throat. So they found a body in a cemetery in Drosko, Poland. Um, it was one of six that were so-called deviant burials in the cemetery buried Mm. between the 17th and 18th century two of the bodies interred as deviant burials had stones under their chins and a 2014 study looking at these bodies concluded that this may to be prevent them from biting others 
or to block their throats to keep them from feeding, which is interesting. It is interesting. Um, another would be a sickle across the, th- the throat. So others oh, in the right, I know sickle. <laughs> others in the same cemetery as the one we were just talking about with the stone were found with sickles positioned across their necks or their waist. In the 2014 study, the authors said that this was intended to remove the head or open the gut should the corpse attempt to rise from the grave. But aren't you giving them a weapon? I mean, if it's just at their neck, though, and they don't know it's there, they're just going to decapitate themselves, right? <laughs> I mean, we I think would hope. That's, that's the point, yeah. Interesting. In a lot of cultures, metal has sp- special ritual and magical significance. So it could have been dual purpose, the physical pinning down or binding, but also the kind of ritual binding. So kind of like a double double whammy on the, the sickle part. Hmm. That is interesting. If y'all have to bury me, can you give me the little bell? <laughs> yeah, you need the little bell. I'm, I need to cover your pre... Oh, what is it? Um, premature burial. Something. Yeah, well, it freaks the shit out of me. But also, like, I sleep really hard sometimes. So, like, just, you know, give me a little bell. <laughs> <laughs> sleep so hard you go through your entire funeral. Exactly. I mean, that would be me. I, w- I wouldn't be late to my funeral. I'd be there, but I'd be just real sleepy. <laughs> Other vampire burials would include they just behead the corpse. Because, like, if you don't have a head, you ain't coming back. I mean, have we tried a wood chipper? <laughs> <laughs> Well, they didn't have wood chippers back then, so maybe we could consider that now. After years of innovation, we're finally free. (laughs) Uh, There was also the traditional staking of like what we know of like the wooden wooden stakes, but you know, same vein as the metal ones. Uh, Mm -hmm. They would also bury people face down, which makes sense because like if you kiss their ass one more time, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, that's that's it, nailed it. Why would they do that? Sorry. Uh, so that they don't try to come up. They can't, like, oh. they're kind of stuck face down. They can't okay. come back out. <laughs> can't tell. I, I, try, I broke out of my grave. I just went into hell. I didn't, I didn't reach the surface. <laughs> yeah, I just went further down. And then another way was they, just, they would just burn people's remains instead of burying them. So if they were like, this person, deaf a vampire, we're burning them. Which is interesting because wasn't that, like, super against almost, like, every religion for a really long time? Yeah, but if they think vampirism comes from people who committed suicide, they're thinking they're sinners anyway, so I don't think it really matters. That is very interesting. I also feel like, personally, that um, when you do cremation, but it's against your religion or your faith, because it's like, oh, they're vampires, I just feel like you're trying to hide evidence on a body. Oh, yeah. I mean, accusing someone of being a vampire or a witch or something like that typically is to do those things anyway. Yeah. Just doesn't look good. Not not looking great here. Well, it doesn't look well when you're on the bad side of history. People in the future like us are looking at you like shame. As if we're in the right side of history now. <laughs> uh, I never said we are, but unfortunately. Said, when you're when you're on the wrong side, it'll yeah. post. again bring us to two girls uh or two cryptids or creatures with a podcast in the future on us. <laughs> I'd listen to that. <laughs> Me too. Be interesting. Just, you know, throw a throw an AirPod into our grave, and you know, and just. <laughs> I don't even want a bell anymore. Just give me the AirPod <laughs> and a little like solar panel charger above. It'll be fine. 
So let's talk about what we actually think vampirism is. Other than we know that it's 100% real and vampires are a thing. It's anemia. There's something about that in here, kind of. Okay, well, I'm just saying. I mean, I I went through iron transfusions like a normal person, but if I would have known, no. <laughs> but if I would have known, all I had to do was, you I know. I could have been initiated more. into like a really cool like kind of family that's found each other over hundreds of years. Anyway, go on. True. <laughs> uh, so just plain old decomposition is something that people think could have been mistaken for vampirism. So author Paul Barber stated that the belief in vampires resulted from people of pre-industrial societies attempting to explain the natural, but to them, inexplicable process of death and decomposition. I mean, it is gross. It is very gross. People sometimes suspected vampirism when a cadaver did not look as they thought a normal corpse should when disinterred. Hmm. Rates of decomposition vary depending upon temperature and soil composition, and many of the signs are little known. This has led vampire hunters to mistakenly conclude that a dead body that had not decomposed at all or to interpret signs of decomposition as signs of continued life. Did you say vampire hunters? Yeah. Do you want to? Well, I mean, it's it, it's pretty self-explanatory. <laughs> it is what People, it is. <laughs> it's, it's, it is what it is. People who thought they were hunting vampires, so they would like open up someone's grave because they think they're hunting vampires, and it's literally just someone's decomposing corpse who was buried in December, so they haven't decomposed at all, and they look perfect, so now they're a vampire. There, yeah. I mean, where where did the, all that funding go for us? Like in this, like just now, we just have Josh Gates, but like, like start up your local chapter of Vampire Hunters. Like, get paid by rich people to do some like crack shit. I don't know. <laughs> crack shit. <laughs> also, corpses swell as gases from decomposition accumulate in the torso, and the increased pressure forces blood to ooze from the nose and mouth. So this causes the body to look plump or well-fed and ruddy. Changes that are all the more striking if the person was pale or thin in life. So basically, it makes them look like they just, you know, fucked up someone with their teeth, but they, in fact, did not. They're just dead. That's interesting. That makes so much sense. Decompio. Decompio. Now there's a sticker. There's a t-shirt. Decompio. Decompio. Bro. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> TM, TM. No, no. Yeah, right that's been trademarked, y'all. I'm going to write it to myself on a letter, send it to me. Is that the thing? What? Like, uh, to get a trademark, like, you have to, like, send it to yourself. I was taught that in, like, I don't know, like, social studies or whatever. I have no clue. I know nothing about that. I wonder if that's a real thing. Decompio. Decompio. Premature burial? is also part of vampire legend. So vampire legends may have been influenced by individuals being buried alive because of shortcomings in the medical knowledge of the time. You know, people sleeping really hard like Santafina does. Listen, I definitely would have been a victim of this. I'm just saying. In some cases in which people reported sounds emanating from a specific specific coffin, it was later dug up and fingernail marks were discovered on the inside from the victim trying to escape. In other cases, the person would hit their heads noses or faces and it would make them appear as if they had been feeding that's so sad yeah I however can't think about it. 
Okay, well, I can help a little bit. An alternate explanation for noise is the bubbling of escaping gases from natural decomposition of bodies. Yeah, so for it, sure. It, it's it the, could just be them, literally. It's the fingernails, like, marks that, like, really, like... Freaky, yeah. That's fair. Yeah, it's just sad, because, like, those people were probably like, scared as fuck. Like, can you imagine? No, and I don't want to. <laughs> right, exactly. But, no, actually, it is weird... That people don't know. I mean, in in our circles, I feel like people know because we talk about this kind of stuff. But, like, people don't realize, like, how much sounds you make once you die. No, people, I I don't think people know a lot about decomp in general. Yeah, I would agree with that. So there's that. Another likely cause of confusion with the premature burial is that tombs would get disordered um, because of grave robbery. So grave robbers would go in, the corpse is going to look all fucking weird because they were like rustled around and shit, and then everything's right. going to be put back all fucked, so. You know. Mm, that makes so much sense. Yeah. Yeah. People just being people. Mm, people just being criminals. No, I'm just kidding. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Do what you gotta do. So another thing would be diseases that were not explainable at the time, but were explainable later. So folkloric vampirism has been associated with clusters of deaths from unidentifiable or mysterious illnesses, usually within the same family or the same small community. As with pneumonic form of bubonic plague, it was associated with the breakdown of lung tissue, which would cause blood to appear on the lips. Mm. That makes sense. Right? I didn't think about that either, but, Mm. you know. In 1985, biochemist David Dolphin proposed a link between the rare blood disorder porphyria and vampire folklore. So porphyria is a group of liver disorders in which substances called porphyrins build up in the body, negatively affecting the skin or nervous system. The types Mm. that affect the nervous system are also known as acute porphyria as symptoms are rapid and onset and short in duration. Symptoms of an attack include abdominal pain, chest pain, vomiting, confusion, constipation, fever, high blood pressure, and high heart rate, and the attacks usually last for days to weeks. Complications may also include paralysis, low blood sodium levels, and seizures. I say, ask your doctor about our medication today. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. If you're experiencing. If your boner lasts for more than four hours and your liver hurts, (laughs) you might be a vampire. Attacks may be triggered by alcohol, smoking, hormonal changes, fasting, stress, or certain medications. If the skin is affected, blisters or itching may occur with sunlight exposure. Oh. <laughs> there's our smoking gun, so to say. Yep. Most types of porphyria are inherited from one or both of a person's parents and are due to a mutation in one of the genes that make heme. So heme. <laughs> heme. Heme. Amy, Haim. <laughs> Noting that the condition is treated by intravenous heme, he, which he is David Dolphin. Um, I haven't said his name in a while. 
suggested that the consumption of large amounts of blood may result in heme being transported somehow across the stomach wall and into the bloodstream. Thus, vampires were merely sufferers of porphyria seeking to replace the heme in their blood and alleviate their symptoms. Listen, I've been there. I get it. <laughs> you get it. You know. I do. I do really get it. The theory has since been rebuffed medically as suggestions that porphyria sufferers crave the heme in human blood or that the consumption of blood might ease the symptoms of porphyria. And they're based on a misunderstanding of the disease, basically, which, like, surprise, surprise. Well, yeah, because they're not necessarily missing blood. No, they're just missing heme from, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that comes from your spinal fluid or your bone marrow, your bone marrow. Bone marrow. That's what they should have been doing. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Snapping people's bones and licking the marrow out. You right. You know, just saying. In any case, uh, Dolphin did not go to publish his work more widely, probably because he's accusing these people of being vampires and everyone's like, nah, dog. <laughs> they didn't like that, dude. So Juan Gomez Alonso, a neurologist, examined the possible links of rabies with vampire folklore as well. Mm-hmm. The susceptibility to garlic and light could be due to hypersensitivity, which is a symptom of rabies. It can also affect portions of the brain that could lead to disturbance of normal sleep patterns, thus becoming nocturnal and hypersexuality, which I did not, I did not know that. Rabies makes you sexy? (laughs) Rabies makes you sexy. (laughs) That needs to be on a t-shirt also. (laughs) Like what? I did not know that. Oh my god. Oh, that's funny. Catch oh, me in the backyard, know. like, <laughs> be like, hey, possums. Just kidding. Possums don't get rabies. They never get they, rabies. They don't. Uh, and they eat ticks. They're awesome. They are. They're the best. We love them. That's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, Legend once said that a man was not rabid if he could look at his own reflection. Either. Which I don't. What does that mean? Does it just what mean like his. His brain's all fucked up, so he can't look at himself in a mirror. Hmm, rabies is very specific. <laughs> like, <laughs> you, you fucking everyone, but you can't look at yourself. Okay. <laughs> um, wolves and bats, which are often associated with vampires, can be carriers of rabies as well. So, mm-hmm. and the disease can lead to biting other people and to a bloody frothing of the mouth. Rabies is terrifying. Rabies is fucking horrifying. Because really once is. you get it, there's no cure. Yeah. So, like, once you start showing symptoms, it's too late. Yeah. And that's always scared me. And I've always said that. <laughs> I've also always said that. I agree, truly. I, I agree. It. Freaks me out. Another disease that was talked about was consumption or, like, tuberculosis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a very famous, like, accused vampire case. Uh, I believe her name is Mercy Brown. In the United States, uh, that was like because of consumption. I want to cover that case eventually. It was kind of too sad, honestly, for me to put it in here because this felt very fun and that felt very not fun. Um, But it was interesting that there was like this person was accused of being a vampire in the US because I don't think we've seen that a lot. It's mostly Europe. So I would agree with you. So that's vampirism. That does seem like vampirism. That's so interesting. 
that there's so many different cases. I do think decomp really does lay a very heavy hand. I agree. On this. Um, what I was thinking about when you were talking um, about like Keem is there's this movie called Daybreakers with Ethan Hawke and William Dafoe and a couple other people. And it's really good. It's about vampires. And it's like a modern day take on vampire. Well, modern in like 2009 or whatever. But sure. it's it's a modern day take on vampirism. That's very interesting. And um, I really like the movie. I've shown it to a couple people because it's it's probably one of those movies that like didn't do that well, you know, at the box office. Yeah, I don't think I've seen it. So um, let's see. It's currently now on Hulu. And the budget was only 20 mil. Seems like kind of a high budget. I mean, it's like, it's pretty good, I think. It's actually supposed to be in the year 2019, which is oh, funny. Because, of course, like, funny. I watched it when it came out, which was um, 2009. So it does, I mean, it asks a lot of the world for 10 years. But, um, yeah, it's definitely interesting. It's like they get hit with a sickness. Like a plague has transformed almost every human into vampires. And then they have to like fight over blood and stuff. It's like this crazy thing. It's like definitely um, probably like a very like SJW movie from like the get go. Very like killing the planet with our consumption kind of idea. But done like really, really cool and really awesome. So Daybreakers, it's really good. It's not like super beyond like you know politics or whatever like real life but it is really good i really enjoyed it have you seen lost boys i have not does that have to do with vampires it does really yeah we'll have to add that one to the list of movies that we watch for the uh queer horror power hour podcast episodes because it is a legendary vampire movie it was formed in it was filmed in 87 so it's like my favorite, my second favorite genre of vampires because I like the Victorian kind, but I also like the 80s grunge, like they're punk, so they must be vampires. <laughs> like it's very, very much like, oh, you're goth, you're a vampire for sure. 